All right, everybody, welcome back in. It is the Robin Stu Show. We're back. We are broke. Uh, giving hand releases on the New Jersey Turnpike after a beautiful uh, Derby Day weekend. I mean, phenomenal scenes for us on the weekend, Roberto. It was uh, it was truly amazing. It really was. Um, what a weekend in Atlantic City with the wife. Um, you know, went to dinner on Friday night, got down there for the Oaks. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, went to dinner. And then Saturday, I had reserved a table in the sports book. And, uh, I mean, I got there at 11 a.m. <laughs> I got downstairs at 11 a.m. in the sports book. Had the beers going. Uh, my wife would just come in on me periodically and just check that she's because she's a three card poker mongo and roulette. So she would just come check on me. And I, I stayed in the sports book from 11 a.m. till about eight o'clock at night. And it was absolute scenes. I got destroyed. The fucking Mets cost me on a big parlay. Um, it's Joe know, Bags' with, fault. It's Scotty's yeah, fault. I blame, yeah, I blame Bags. Um, the Derby undercard ripped me up and destroyed me. Um, blackjack, I Friday night blackjack, I got torn up. Then I went over and played some poker. A lady pulled an ace ten on me when I had a queen ten. I thought I, I you know, I, I said this the only ace ten is the only hand that could fucking beat me. She had it. Um, <laughs> it was it was just one of those weekends. Uh, thank God I woke up Sunday morning. Uh, took a hundred out of the wife's purse and. Uh, Went downstairs, ran it up to like 375 playing blackjack, and then hit a few races at Belmont Sunday and got something back. But, uh, yeah, no, if anybody's down in the Brigada in Atlantic City, I, I donated a wing. So, you know, it's, it's, on, it's on Rob down there. So. What, what a guy. What a guy. You're, you're doing the Don's work. It's That's great right. stuff. Yeah, the Lord's work. I, on the other hand, uh, it was brutal. Uh, crawfish boil. At Bobcats had the nice setup outside. I think I posted a picture of the command post. Uh, brutal, beautiful out. scenes, beautiful. By the way, by the way, Taylor is offended that he hasn't been invited to a crawfish boil. He wants to come to a crawfish boil. So you next know, Bobcat, time, Bobcat did say next year, crawfish boil is happening. Okay, but only for the OGs that have come to the one of the first two. Oh, so, oh, okay. All so right. Well, if Taylor's in, and he and you two mongos want to drive down from Joyzy, yeah, I think we can get a spot for Taylor at at the at the table. Okay. Love Tay Tay, but um, yeah, man, no, it was it was good until uh, Bobcat had a horse pinata. Filled with uh, airplane shooters, and yeah, that was uh, tough scenes. Tough scenes. Uh, I was up uh, pretty late into the uh, early morning hours, uh, giving back all the crawfish I ate. That was really just a phenomenal, phenomenal time. I mean, uh, cer certainly, who's got it better uh, than me? But yeah, I, Derby Day. I I thought I did pretty good. Um, I, I did end up catching mage. I hit the exacta and yeah, you know, you do that. You hit the late pick three, really love the last few races. I made a little bit of money, made some uh, folks at the crawfish boil a little bit of money and you know, that's just what we do. Yeah. That so, was nice with mage. I'll tell you the horse race giant, you know, I'm so stupid. I'm, I'm talking to you Friday in our shows last week and you know i'm a sheets player on the bigger days as everybody knows you know me and you talked about it i mean he ran one of the lowest numbers on the sheets my biggest thing was i i didn't think he could run it back you know that was my biggest thing can this horse run this number again and he did and um i think with the speed duel you know i didn't envision them going that fast i mean 22 47 it was like a sprint i mean those horses up front were dead by the half mile they were done and uh you know what a ride by javier the connections i mean just i mean you really would think after last year they wouldn't have gone that fast 
Um, yeah. You know, I had two fills. I ended up, uh, I, I was leveraged. If two fills wins that race, I probably clear about five grand. The Derby has done you bad, my friend. The it's last Derby. two years, the last two years have probably cost you almost about $7,000. No, because last year I was alive to 15 grand. Um, with oh, the, that's right. Even the more. second place. Yeah. Probably about probably, 20 grand. Yeah. Probably about 20 grand left on it. But you put yourself in the right spot. I got a horror story for you, though. But my buddy, uh, Dom, calls me from Detroit and he's like, uh, Yeah, I got, uh, I got a, uh, super. I want you to play a super for me. Now, what prison did he call you from? A guy <laughs> named Dom from Detroit. I can only imagine. Yeah. What the, what this guy's track record looks like. <laughs> so he calls he calls me up and uh he's like, Yeah, give me uh give me the 14 over the eight, over the two, over the uh one, something. And or whatever disarm was, eleven. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, okay, so uh, you want me to box it for you, so it, 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 you'll have like a $17 super or whatever. He goes, no, 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 don't box it. I want it cold. I want it Oof, straight. Love it. A man after my own heart. Love it. He bet a $40 straight super and had all the right horses and missed. Oof. I love I, it, though. I love, I'm love. i a greedy bastard like that. I love it. I, I even said to him, why don't you do the try? Do a try box. Yeah. A, a try box you could have got for what? You know, fucking a $10 try? No. I mean, somebody, a guy like Dom from Detroit calls you in the middle of a Saturday. It's usually to bet like two dimes on the Oakland Athletics, you know, like playing the San Francisco Giants or something. You know that that's that's a dumb he's hitting thing. me up. I I've got a big got. play on the Indiana Fever uh, today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, just so, yeah. and a guy at work did the same thing uh, with uh, with the super as well. And I'm like, you got you, you guys are out here betting stone cold supers in the derby. Like, yeah, uh, that's I love that type of bets. Yeah, that's that's after my own heart right there because I, I, you know me, I never box. And I'm missing out on more I know you I never miss. box. And I'm against boxing, but you know, in the derby, like weird, weird shit does tend to happen. And the payouts are tremendous. You know, oh, the they're, payouts they're are phenomenal. Working. That's why, yeah. that's why, like, I throw it out the window on Derby Day because like if you hit a dollar try, chances are I mean, the exact the paid 330. Uh, and and they were all logical horses. I mean, bombs away had all was all over the three. You know he was. He, the he, the three know. still running. Verified. I I thought he was well. I was two fills. I thought he was the winner. Oh, I thought two fills was two. Was that verifying? No, he was verifying. Was the two? I bet a little bit on verifying too, along with the still Japanese. running. Verifying still running. Ooh, after that quarter, I looked at my wife. I said, "He's toast." Twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> He was done in a half. I said, well, maybe you get it 49. They bet, nope, 47. See ya. Uh, you, you could, uh, he folded up like an accordion right there. I mean, that was <laughs> done. See you later. But, uh, you know, even the undercard was interesting. Um, I just couldn't connect on the undercard. I know you were having trouble, too. Um, you know, Nick Tamaro gave out that five on the grass to Fletcher. He liked him in our in – our, uh, in our shows last week, our preview shows, and he was dead on. I mean, and what we, a run from that horse. You look more. back and you go, man, you had a Stone Cold single right there. And, you know, Cody's wish won easy. Easy. Yeah. And then you, you have that five, which was logical. And he was. You had, you had a little price before that, and it's like, ah, you know. Same thing at Belmont. I, I missed on Belmont on Saturday. Same thing. I just logical horses, and then you just miss a horse that you should have in there. Yeah, you know, and those big days are difficult, especially when you're betting all day. And 
you know, yeah. me and you have been known to partake in a, you know, adult beverage while we're gambling on the races or you're having a cigar or, or you know, you're or in somebody's the crowd. Putting, somebody's putting an extremely large pissed off crawfish on the back of your head, you know. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we, we've all been there, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I did think it was a fun derby card. Um, <clears throat> I think they set records for most bet on the derby. I'd say the line at their Brigada, the horse book, was wrapped outside. I, I gotta bring you down to the Brigada, you gotta come down one college football Saturday. We gotta do a weekend there, just a Saturday. That's, that's a yeah, bad, that's bad news. That is, yeah, bad yeah, no, I'll, news, I'll, I'll reserve yeah. a table. I, I know the woman there, we can reserve a table. And, got to get bobcat down there and just you know have a saturday in the book do you really you, know, you want, guys will... do you okay wait wait do you really want bobcat going to ac do you really <laughs> yeah, want no, i need show? bobcat in atlantic do you, wait 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 think about what you're saying now yeah no but, I, I need it just for the entertainment value just to oh you'll get some bobcat. entertainment all right oh yeah um but yeah more horse racing stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks, we got Preakness. I already got my Preakness future in on first mission, 10 to 1. Uh, hoping that pays off. Um, we're going to have more horse coverage coming up. But it's we got to shift back. We missed a whole bunch of college football stuff, talking draft, talking horses. So coming up right after this, our friend Justin Spiro, Spiro Avenue Show, he's coming up. We're going to talk a little MSU football. And... Also, uh, some Big Ten futures go over a few of the uh, futures that got released, wins, uh, losses, win totals, all that good stuff. So coming up on the flip side of that, Justin Spiro, and we'll be back after this quick break. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Van Dyne from North Coast Sports. You'll hear me here every week during football season with my main man, Stu, from the StuCast. And just want to let everyone know we got a lot going on at North Coast. we got Power Sweep coming up. Going to be releasing that at the end of August. And get on board for Power Sweep at ncsports.com. Definitely check out our podcast on ncsports.com. And like I said, you'll hear me every week giving out some of the best handicapping picks that you will get in the industry uh, with Stu and Bobcat every week here, as well as at North Coast Sports, ncsports.com. And we're looking forward to football season. All right, back on the flip side of the break. And as promised, uh, a guy that's been on this show multiple times, Great to have him back on, honestly. Host of the Spiro Avenue Show. You can catch that wherever you get your podcasts. And as I like to always catch it on the YouTubes uh, when he goes live. Uh, amazing content. If you're interested in sports, uh, especially in Detroit, Michigan, but just sports coverage in general, I think uh, it, that's one of my go-to shows just in general. Justin Spiro, welcome back, buddy. Uh, it's good to be back. Always an honor to be invited, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, always, man. Always. I won't, uh, I won't block you from calling in like certain radio programmers at certain stations. So I oh, know they'll put me on. They just throw me off right away. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a, it's in effect the same as a block. Yes. Yes. It's, it's similar. Um, you know, Rob was talking to me, uh, huge Rutgers fan. Uh, Justin, I think we you've been on with Rob possibly once. Huge Rutgers fan. Um, That's right. Somebody's got to represent. Well, someone has to. Uh, yeah, I can't believe it. So you you have like thirty three percent of the entire Rutgers fan base on this show tonight. That's <laughs> yes, yeah, that's quite an assembly you got there. Good job by you. Yeah, thanks. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull a Big Ten and increase my marketing share. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, that that, that worked out really well for them. They've been an incredible addition. We really saw the ratings boon, and I, I give full credit to Rutgers in that coveted New Jersey market, which somehow gets roped into the New York market. No one knows how that happened. Money, right. money's That's money. Right. But uh, by the way, just before we start the show, um, Mel Tucker's first game as head coach at Michigan State. What was the final score of that game? Uh, it so, was seven seven fumbles to zero fumbles, I think, was the, the score. Yes, yes. 
I, yeah. I forget. I, All right. Uh, well, I just for the rest. We'll get back to that at the end of the show. The okay. only reason I even acknowledge that year is because we won the Michigan game. Like, if it weren't for that, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even accept. I mean, but Mel Tucker, like, Mel Tucker met his players the way we're talking right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Listen, yeah that listen. was a weird year. I, now, listen, I've been a Rutgers fan long enough. I, I was at the 2004 game when Michigan State came to Piscataway, and they got sent home, too. So it wasn't just in 2020 either. You go back to that 2004. Were you at the game where Kenneth Walker was high-fiving teammates at the 30 as he was <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, I got a, I, I I got a painting a of that on the wall. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was there. Oh, Detroit. God. That's that's honestly the best sporting event I've ever been to. <laughs> but, Rob, I got to give you credit. Like, I'm always, I'm always fascinated by, you know, people like you that are, oh, I'm a diehard idaho vandals fan like i mean if you went there yeah. whatever fine but like it's so easy to come out and just say like oh yeah man roll tight i'm a bama fan like that's yes. so that, i mean no disrespect to them but like any, any, yeah. any can, like that's so that's so nice like that's so convenient anytime someone's like man i i bleed i bleed for ruckers man i'll do anything for him i'll take a bullet for the ruckers scarlet knights <laughs> i'm always fascinated by those fans and it's funny because like growing up obviously i love Michigan State basketball as well and always have but like I was actually more of a Michigan State football fan even though yeah. I love both sports but like I, I was the one Michigan State guy in my group that was like I actually had rather see the football team do well and that was back when we like were terrible every year pretty much so yeah I, I'm I'm just you know not to derail your conversation here but I respect the diehard fans of these you know smaller less successful programs it, oh Justin. yeah well listen it, it comes from my father he grew up 10 minutes from the stadium. So like they grew up going to the games and honestly, that's all in New Jersey. Everything is pro sports, right? So like me, I, I live, you know, in ocean County, which is really considered South Jersey by many, but in New Jersey, it's split. You're either a Philadelphia sports fan, or if you go North, you're a New York sports fan and everything's pro sports. That's why college always gets pushed aside. But the, I would say Rutgers draws like 20 to 25,000 of just, hardcore Rutgers fans. The rest come when the team is good, which it's been a lot of years since they were good. But, um, you know, in basketball, they've turned it around. But in football, man, it's just, God, man, it is just, this Big Ten is just, it is just so hard for them. I mean, it Justin, really is. You want to meet, you want to meet some Looney Tunes. I mean, <laughs> go, go up to uh, Piscataway this year uh, for that game. Uh, I mean, you want to talk hey, about Hey, you're more than people. welcome. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, let, let's get into the real MVPs, the, the real stars of the Big Ten East. Uh, Michigan State, a lot of turmoil, Justin. You did a great show with Justin Thin, um, phenomenal beat reporter for Michigan State. But, you know, for folks that aren't aware, Keon Coleman, star wide out, uh, starting quarterback Peyton Thorne, they entered the portal. Peyton Thorne subsequently going to uh Auburn which you you guys kind of called like a week before it happened on the show a, a week a week and a half later you've had time to digest you've had time to just kind of stew about it where are you at with with the moves themselves and this program heading into um into the season I you know the the Peyton Thorne thing I want to make it very clear. I am in the minority with the Michigan State fan base. I don't I think he has always gotten a bad rap. And you know, if you come out with this stuff and, and say this stuff, you get all this pushback about, oh, did you see this miss throw or that miss throw? But if you just look at let's look at it through this perspective. And I know, you know, touchdown interceptions and completion percentage isn't the end all be all, but let's keep it simplistic and not get like too deep into sleep inducing analytics. The guy was like 19 and 11, around 62% last year with a complete hellfire around him, an offensive line that couldn't block and a run game that didn't exist. And under completely unideal circumstances, still was better statistically than about half the country's D1 quarterbacks, about half of the quarterbacks in this conference statistically. Again, with no run game, Nah, almost no offensive line. I mean, one of the worst three offensive lines in the conference. So if, if I'm putting a quarterback in a situation and, you know, we, we point to 
oh, he had a couple good receivers, which he did. But I'm putting him in a situation where he's not being blocked for, he's not being protected, and he has no run game to support him. And he's still in the top half, even if he's like middle of the pack statistically. Does that guy really suck? Like, is it, if you're just bad, if you're just bad, people think he's bad, right? If you're just bad, are you, are you capable of throwing 19 touchdowns, only having 11 interceptions and completing, you know, 61, 62% of your passes under those circumstances, playing a real power five schedule? I would argue not. So I, I just, you know, say up front, the Peyton Thorne criticism has always been bizarre to me. I understand there's stuff he you know, throws he didn't make that I wanted him to make. And I'm, I'm not saying he's perfect, but I have a completely different perspective on him. And if you believe him, which I do, he was playing hurt last year. He got hurt in the first game. So it's it's like, what are we even doing here? But so I think he'll do well at Auburn. So I think that was a bigger loss than some people are you know, saying for the immediate future. With that said, the Keon Coleman loss, I think is the bigger one, just because Michigan State really likes their quarterback room. They really like, by all accounts, from my conversations in there, both guys that are waiting in the wings. So I feel like they feel like one of those two, if not both of them, are capable of at least approximating, if not surpassing, what Thorne gave them last year. There isn't anybody up there that is saying the same thing about Keon Coleman. So even though the quarterback position is much more important, if you feel like you can make an almost lateral move with a higher ceiling, especially in, in my opinion, Hauser, eh, what's the loss? It's kind of a lateral move. But if you, if you are universally acknowledging that we had a star receiver with first round in the NFL draft type talent, and he's just gone and there's nobody fitting that profile to step in for him. That to me was the more disappointing loss, the bigger loss, and really the loss that they wanted to prevent where they honestly, they didn't fight for Thorne. Take that however you want. They didn't try to talk Thorne out of leaving. And they are still trying to talk Keon out of leaving. So that's um that sort of tells the whole story, does it not? Well, from all the intel I've gathered from our friends in the great state of Alabama, I'm I, I think it's likely it's very likely that Peyton Thorne will be starting for Auburn. And to your point, I I've always said he's probably top forty percent of D one quarterbacks. Um but again, that Keon Coleman loss is tough, and and I think going into this season, we we're gonna get we're gonna toss around some futures in a little bit. But you know, Rob, you said it to me a few times. Like it, how does this reflect back on Mel Tucker? Because it all boils back down to Mel Tucker, and he gets he gets a lot of criticism that is it's weird. It's almost like if the, he was coaching Oregon State, if he was coaching Kansas State, if he was coaching Boston College, if he was coaching pick a school, it, it wouldn't be national coverage, right? It, it, and to the degree it does. What's your take on that? That was from that. I said that was for Rob. Oh that, no, you're, no, you're, uh, Rob's got a question coming up, but oh, I got you. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I'm with you. Okay, I, I, it's tough to, and I. It's funny because I asked Justin then the same thing. It's like, what is there a referendum on Mel Tucker here? And I think his his point was a good one, and I think it's a good argument if you're certainly on the Michigan State side that Michigan State was unique in this way. They hadn't lost any starters or anybody they really hate to say cared about, but it's true. They they hadn't lost anybody in the portal era that they really cared about. It was all a bunch of guys that they had told, look, you're welcome to stay. We're not doing the Dion throwing you out, but like you're third on the depth chart. If you want to play, I would leave. If not, you're welcome to stay as a backup. So, I mean, this is the first time in Keon Coleman's case, and it's not even the case with Thorne. I mean, Keon Coleman is the first and only case where they have seemingly lost a guy it's not over yet that they really wanted and if you go around the country every big program has at least one of these and they were really i i mean justin said it and i'll take his word for it they were the last power five team to not lose a guy that was going to start that's you know was sort of the the messaging there so i don't know i mean the, the difference in the pushback that i gave him 
was I would argue, okay, you know, it's one thing to lose a starter. It's another thing to lose maybe the best guy on the team. So when you start to go to that list of, you know, these power five programs that lost their best player, now you're getting in the smaller numbers where, you know, Caleb Williams, and that's a huge asterisk because his coach left and he followed his coach. So I, you know, I don't know. It's, it's too small of a sample size. I think losing one guy, even a really big one is it's, it's just not enough there to identify as a pattern and say, you know, Oh, what does it say about Mel Tucker? I was with you though. I was asking the same questions at the time, but when you do take a step back, this is why I have smart people like Justin Thind on my show. It's like, okay, that's a very fair pushback on that. But you, what you're starting to see, and it, and it really began with last year being a total disaster just on the field is the goodwill is gone. So, okay, you're, you, you've used your mulligan as, as far as a bad year. We all thought the mulligan, no one even counts 2020, honestly. Like to, to us, that didn't even happen. And people can make what they want of that. I don't care what anyone thinks. That was a joke. He was there for like 15 minutes. Everyone thought the mulligan was coming in 2021. I was on my show with Kenneth Walker and Connor Hayward at the beginning of the season and said, like, look, if you guys go six and six, I'm throwing a parade. They won 11 games. They were not happy with my six and six parade comment at the time. It's on camera. It didn't go well. So, I mean, you kind of flip-flopped the mulligan, but you used it now. Now you had a bad offseason in some ways in terms of the Keon Coleman exit, a fan favorite, your best player, I would argue. So, okay, like, I'm not going to panic, but good stuff needs to start happening pretty quickly in a number of ways. And if you're bad again this year, and the 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 portal is kind of going in the wrong direction again, then the questions are going to start. So my answer is I'm not panicked yet. I don't think we can make any grand declarations because Michigan State fell victim to the same kind of stuff everybody has. But, you know, you're, you're brought here to recruit and be a master. No one has ever accused Mel Tucker, to my knowledge, of being a brilliant X's and O's tactician. I mean, to be fair, there's only like seven or eight of those guys anyway. But no one has ever really said that about him. His cachet, his identity is I'm, I'm going to sell a pro program at the college level. I'm going to recruit like hell. I'm going to be an elite, elite recruiter. I'm going to get guys, develop guys, keep guys. And uh, now if that starts to chip away, there are some questions. We're not there yet, but we're one step closer to asking these questions, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, like Stu said, uh, you know, like Tucker gets a lot of hate online, I think, from Michigan fans. You know, I, I think fans and, you know, after you guys had that season 21, I think people got jealous of the money he got, right? People were a little surprised by the money. Um, it, it Would you say is the Michigan State fan base fine if they go like seven and five and get to a bowl? Is it more it's got to be in between eight and ten wins? You know, I mean, to me, I, I'm i on a different end of the spectrum. Like, if we win six games, they'd have a parade for Shiano downtown Piscataway. I mean, is it what is the feeling with the fan base right now? Is it more they're okay with a mediocre type season, or there's a lot of pressure? You, you know, you got to win between eight and ten games. I mean, Michigan in the 90s shut down all of their, almost all their mental health hospitals. So if there's a lot of Michigan State fans out there advocating where all the, it's got to be between eight and 10 wins, uh, mm -hmm. there's no place for us to send them because those places are closed now. So I, I don't, I have not heard that opinion out there, to be honest. Like mm -hmm. the, the, you know, I'm not saying you're not going to find some freak on Twitter somewhere that's an outlier. Everybody I've talked to, everybody. I mean, I, I'm, there hasn't been one exception that I've talked to, and we're probably into the triple digits in terms of fans, people who cover this program. Everybody is saying six or seven wins, like, okay, let's roll. And the reason for it is, for one, last year was so bad. Just get some footing for, you know, a bowl game going forward, get the extra practices, you know, get a not embarrassing record back, you know, and team back on the field. But, you know, the biggest reason is the context. I think – if you had Peyton Thorne and he went six and six, seven and five, I don't think it would be as well received, even though it may not be any more or less likely of occurring. It's less palatable. But if you go seven and five and Keaton Hauser, a the highest recruit at the quarterback position in the history of the program, since this stuff has been tracked, if he is a redshirt freshman, go seven and five against one of the five or six hardest schedules objectively in the country. 
that's pretty damn good, I would argue. So I, I do think the, you know, not even expectation. I don't know if the expectation in terms of the prediction for the win total has changed all that much with Thorne leaving, but I think what's downstream tolerable has changed. And I think seven and five sits a lot differently with a high pedigree, well-established as a hot prospect redshirt freshman at quarterback, as opposed to an outgoing fifth-year senior who's like 24. So, you know, I, I think we're mostly in that six and six, seven and five boat. The, my opinion, I think eight and four is like kind of a charmed season. That's like you won all three or three or four year coin flips and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I haven't heard anybody say eight to 10 are busts. And if they are saying that, I I mean, well, yeah, no, I I didn't mean it as far as, yeah, no, I I didn't mean to come off of saying that's what the fan base, you know, how do they feel? I, I just meant it more as like, you know, is, is there a lot of pressure to win? You know, he's got to win, got to win big with the contract that he has as far as Tucker's going, you know, more on his end. Is there more pressure from the fans as far as, you know, they don't care what players are playing. They, they want to see you're paying the guy $95 million. You know, it's like, you know, any other of these big schools, you know, it's I, – I guess it's different when you're a lower-tier fan like me, like just like, okay, you know, they, they win six games or – you know, these young quarterbacks come in with this kind of promise. I mean, is there a lot of, would you say in the fan base, a lot of hope around uh, Kate and Hauser? I mean, had, did, was he in spring practice or no? Well, yeah, the thing, the thing that's interesting is the fan base is kind of divided and it's not in like an acrimonious way. It's been mostly, you know, friendly among fans thus far that could change, mm-hmm. um, you know, between him and Noah Kim. And, you know, so that's the, that's kind of the battle where you're looking at like, no one has really seen these guys play much. Noah Kim has only played at the end of blowouts and small samples, usually against teams second or even third unit. It's like all the backups are in and he's moved the ball, but it's like these the receivers are wide open. It's garbage time. I, I don't take really anything from that. And Kaden Hauser, we haven't seen at all. So no, I mean, I think big picture, most, most of us, and I'm certainly in that group, are looking at 2024 and that's where that kind of salary. Okay. You're making a lot of money. Like let's get going. Thing kicks in. I don't blame anybody for making fun of the salary. I would make fun of the salary if I weren't a Michigan state fan, but it doesn't really bother state fans for whatever reason. Like it does land differently when it's not your school paying for it. It's a rich donor, right? In this case, two rich donors that received the phone call from the school and said, Hey, they had pretty good intel on what LSU was talking about. Mel Tucker was on their short list of three guys they were prepared to make an offer to. Um, you know, they were there was a flight to Louisiana uh, that was rumored. I know for a fact an LSU representative was flying to Michigan at one point. That did not occur, but it was scheduled. So you know, it's the two donors stepped up. Like it's not like you went into the school coffers to pay this. So it does land a little bit differently. I think 2024 is where it really matters. As far as the quarterback thing goes, we really don't know. I mean, there's so much and people will tell you, they know. And I pushed back on my show repeatedly with this, where, you know, these people are saying, Oh, Kim is clearly the guy or, Oh, Hauser's clearly the guy. Nobody knows that even the players are somewhat divided, although they really like both guys as people. My reason for being more pro Caden Hauser I just think he fits the profile better. He's bigger, trunkier, stronger arm, better recruit. Every you know, in terms of pedigree, everybody loves the guy as a kid. So it's not like oh, we got to pick the you know the you know the athletic freak who may be a problem child versus the you know coach's kid type guy. Like yeah. those, they're kind of all else equal in terms of work ethic and dedication by all accounts. So I just I tend to skew more towards. Like, let's go for the horse. Let's go for the athlete. Let's go for the better pedigree, all else being equal. And it all it appears that all else is equal in terms of, you know, they're likable guys, they're studious and all that stuff. So nobody really knows. And that's why they're so hard to handicap because quarterback, it's it's 10 times more important than any other position on the field. It's the most important position in sports, I would argue, by far, by a factor of four or five. And yeah, you know, so with that in mind, it's like, if you don't even know what that variable is, how do you really predict anything for this team? So I, it, it is tough. It's really hard to pin down. Yeah, it's always interesting when you get these big prospect quarterbacks, like you guys said, Hauser for you guys. For us, we have a young, you know, we have a quarterback, Gavin Winsett, who came in. It was the highest graded recruit we ever got at the quarterback position. And 
you know, now he's going into a second season. He didn't have the greatest spring game. And it's like people on the boards are losing their mind. And, you know, not that he's expected to win, you know, any game, you know, all these games at Rutgers. But uh, you put so much hope in these younger players. And then I, I don't know. It's tough. You know, it's it's definitely not easy in the Big Ten either. I mean, it is it is, you know, the, the scheduling. It is it's no joke. Well, that, I mean, that... you you made even a good point with Thorne. You know, like I, I would have took Thorne in a heartbeat. And like Thorne goes to Auburn, you know, a, a big program. Like, you know, they scooped him up right away. I mean, like you said, you know, he's really not that bad of a quarterback when you go through his numbers. I mean, yeah, he's not, you know, the Hall of Famer or anything like that. But, I mean, he's a good – and especially in the Big Ten. I mean, look at the quarterbacks besides Stroud last year. I mean, it's O'Connell. I mean, it was – it is slim pickings in the Big Ten. Look, I mean, people will probably, you know, I don't know how many Michigan fans listen to this, but if any do, it, this is going to get me in trouble probably, but I really don't care. Like, I could easily argue that Thorne has no indication that he's any worse than J.J. McCarthy. Like, give Peyton Thorne the best offensive line in the conference and one of the five best in the country, and give Peyton Thorne two elite running backs last year. We already saw what Thorne could do with one elite running back and a bad offensive line. Like give him two really good running backs and a great offensive line, which he never had in East Lansing. Like you're telling me he wouldn't be better than JJ McCarthy. Like their numbers were kind of close anyway last year. So like, I don't have McCarthy's in front of me. I just know thorns by heart, but like, it's not like McCarthy was like 33 touchdowns and six picks last year. So I, I think Thorne gets such a knock. The one thing I'll correct before I know Stu wanted to jump in, I think, they did not scoop up Thorne quickly or however you phrased it. And I know that's the perception they went and got him. That was a, by definition, tampering, which I know that for a fact, there's a reason why we knew in the Michigan state circles that he was going to Auburn way before the declaration. So I mean that, you know, that weeks and weeks before, but it was about three, you know, two and a half, three weeks before. So the re and I'm not saying that to be salacious. The reason I'm saying that is, they identified him and basically went and got him. Uh, so it was not like a let's scan the the list of guys who are available. Oh, yeah, we like this guy. Like they identified him as someone that might be open to leaving that they really liked. I Look, I may look stupid. I got a lot of work to do in terms of deep diving into Auburn's schedule, the quality of their roster across the board and all that stuff before I get into any hard predictions. But I would be not at all surprised if Thorne has a very good year next year. And I think he's got a lot to prove. I've talked to Peyton a couple of times since the decision came out and uh, that kid's fired up, man. I, that, that kid's mad in a productive way. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. Well, what I was going to get to is uh, te you teed it up perfectly getting into some of these win totals. Roberto, you have a list. Yeah, I, I got a list here that's kind of interesting. I mean, Northwestern at three and a half. It's kind of nice as a Rutgers fan not to see us at the lowest. We're actually at four and a half. Um, I think that's because of our defense this year. But, yeah, Northwestern at the bottom at three and a half. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to some of the bigger schools here. I mean, Michigan's schedule is an outright joke. I mean, it's, it's almost illegal. It's so soft. At ten and a half, to me, it looks like they'll hit that easy. But I agree with you. I mean, I'm not in love with their quarterback situation. You know, obviously, Quorum's a hell of a, a hell of a football player. They have a good offensive line, um, but they should cruise easily to their over. Ohio State's a team I, I really don't know right now. I mean, obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. Who's going to be the quarterback? I mean, probably probably McCord, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's seems... what I was going to say. I, yeah. I, would, I have to think. It's either McCord or uh, they have somebody else that's another, you know, 15 platinum rhombus quarterback underneath him. And McCord was going to leave at one time. He was actually, Rutgers was trying to get him at one time. He was thinking about leaving, but I guess he gets his shot now. I mean, he's never blown me away when they put him in games. But well, like you said, Justin, what your guy at Michigan State, you really don't know a lot. You know, they put him in blowouts, wide open receivers. What do you really know? I hate to say it. They're my most hated team, Penn State. I mean, they look absolutely loaded this year. Uh, nine and a half. Uh, th those top three teams, I don't know. To me, it seems like their win totals are easily overs. Yeah, I mean, the, the, here's the thing with Michigan. 
The Ohio State game, and you just touched on it, the variable with the quarterback thing, who knows? I just I think Ryan Day gets way, way, way too much heat, and I am increasingly on an island. What's the guy? Like 46 and 5, 31 and 2 in conference. He really should be the reigning national championship head coach. I would argue he would have if it weren't for everything going wrong in that national title game in terms of the health of the team. They were dropping like flies in game. He went into the game without his number one receiver and number one running back. He ends up losing his tight end, his second receiver in the game. They were down, I think, two offensive linemen. I mean, they were a mash unit. Georgia had one injury on the whole team in their original depth chart, their ideal depth chart. And they had a two-score lead with the ball in the fourth quarter. Like, Ohio State honestly probably should be the national champion right now. They're not. It didn't happen. You know, whatever. I I think they're way, way, way undervalued. And I am in the minority. And even smart people – like Justin Thin. Justin Thin's like Ryan Day's totally lost momentum. He's a, a hack or whatever as a head coach. I, I just disagree. I, I'm impressed by what he's done. So, like, this assumption that that is like, oh, yeah, Michigan's, they own Ohio State because of two games, both of which Ohio State had a chance to win in the fourth quarter and then it got away late. I'm just not there. So, I like, 10 and a half, I mean, if I have a gun to my head, I guess I'm taking the over like they should. It would certainly be a disappointment if they didn't. But like, I don't consider Ohio State a layup. I don't consider at Penn State a layup. And if you lose those two, you're done. I mean, the fact Mm -hmm. is an Illinois team that was decent last year. I mean, they were ranked and like a decent Illinois team, but certainly not impressive. They had Michigan dead last year. I would argue if it weren't for a pick play that wasn't called, uh, they would they would have definitely lost. They dropped a touchdown pass right in the breadbasket in the fourth quarter that would have put it, the game out of reach. So I just that's why I just I don't trust Michigan necessarily uh, the same way other people do. I think you know there's gonna be some games with five minutes left, uh, you know where we don't know what's gonna happen. So I I don't know. I I guess I just. I think they are a prime candidate to get popped twice. So I would not touch that personally. Uh, as I far as Ohio hate. State, Listen, what I was Ohio the State's? Hate. I love well, the hate. I'm from New Jersey. I love the hate. So well, it's give, not give even, it to me. I, I do. I mean, I do hate them. But it's, <laughs> <laughs> so don't, yeah, I'm not going like, to pretend. But I, Let but it that's out, my, brother. Let it out, man. Well, I, love, the, I love, love it. Well, I just I don't understand. Like, and I get accused of, you know, and it's funny because Michigan State and Ohio State people tend to have a lot of mutual respect. We both, you know, have a common enemy. Michigan uh, State obviously had Mark D'Antonio, who won a title as a defensive coordinator at Ohio State. So Ohio State people always loved Mark D and the guys from Ohio and all that. So there, there is like kind of a, you know, a little bit of a mutual respect and admiration there. So and that's granted, but like I'm sorry, it's not because I have any like sort of baseless affinity for Ohio State that I say this stuff. They've been the best team in the conference for 20 years. I mean, overall, like you're taking the big picture. And again, I still think they had 19 things go wrong and nothing go right to lose that game on a missed field goal at the end. I mean, they should be the national champions. They would have absolutely destroyed TCU. So I'm just, I'm not out on Ryan day. And I, so I, I don't know that I just, I don't see the confidence in Michigan. What did you say? Ohio state's over under was, I didn't catch that one. Ten and they, they're, they're 10 and a half also. That's hard. I, I don't yeah, that's like a hard one. That's a, I'd feel more confident making it whichever way I chose the Michigan bet, because if, if you don't know who the quarterback is and the quality of the quarterback, to me, that's how do you bet on a team to win 11 games? It's hard to bet either, Justin, because both Michigan and Ohio, Ohio State have the same line. It's it's minus 115 to the under minus 105 to the over currently. Um you know, the funny thing, too, when Ohio State, you got to factor in. Let's say something ever goes just slightly wrong with Harrison Jr. Okay, this is a top three draft pick right now, easily. You know, he would be a guy that says, you know what? I'm getting ready for the draft. I don't see you. You know, the slightest little thing, I, I think he's the biggest factor this season. We've seen it in years past with these top draft picks. I mean, this guy's a guaranteed top two, three pick right now. I Guys like that going into their last season, I don't know. I I, I think they they keep a you know a, an eye out for themselves. Yeah, I mean, you look at that receiver room. Garrett Wilson said it. Obviously, you know, was in the NFL this past year, but he said 
Marvin Harrison is the most talented guy we had in that room. I mean, better than me, you know, better than Olave, better than Smith and Jigba. I mean, he, that was as a freshman. I mean, Harrison, I'm with you. That guy is, you know, he's in that rare, rare class of receiver where like, if he's gone, it really, really hurts you. And I've talked about it on my show. Like most receivers, if they're hurt, even the best ones, it doesn't even move the line one point in Vegas before a game. Harrison's on that list of, you know, in the NFL, there's three or four at the college level. There's probably three, three to five. Like if he's not playing, that really, really hurts you. And I think if he doesn't get hurt in the middle of the title game last year, they they beat Georgia. I think he's probably worth the one first down conversion they didn't get and needed in the last three drives. So, uh, you know, it, it is. Yeah, that's a fair point. I just I can't like handicap based on that. Like I, it's a, it's fair, but I yeah, I'm gonna assume he's gonna be out there. Um, mm-hmm. it's more, to me, the quarterback issue is more concerning, but 10 and a half, man, there just is no value. I like, I don't like either of those bets, to be honest with you, like in either direction. Yeah. Those are usually the big prime time. You know, everybody's going to bet the over obviously there. So there definitely might be some value. You might even get a better number. I get a plus money number on the under there. Um, the number I like the best, honestly, is Minnesota. I, I kind of like them at six and a half over. I, I, I think they could definitely, Went over six know. and a the, half. The games. Big Ten West, I feel like the it, smart moves were finally made in the Big Ten West in the offseason. Luke Fickle comes over to Wisconsin and brings Phil uh, Longo over from UNC, which I think is a huge underrated. The big hire will be ta- like how last year everybody was talking about how Ohio State took uh, that D coordinator from Oklahoma State. Phil Longo coming to Wisconsin. This isn't the Wisconsin. This is the, I feel like we're going to get to Wisconsin. We did for that year, year and a half stretch of Russell Wilson when he transferred in from NC state. I think that division is finally done being a joke and everybody and their brother had every reason to like the Scott Frost hire at the time. There was nobody that saw that coming you know, so, okay, it didn't work out. They had to get rid of him, and they did. So with that said, like, I think adding Fickle and Rule to that conference and that division of the conference, I think they're kind of done being the redhead stepchild. I still think they're going to be the second division, the clear-cut second-best division, but the gap, I think, is going to shrink now. Just how quickly does that manifest? But the the, the, the Wisconsin disrespect, that's another program and I have no affiliation with whatsoever. I don't like root for them. I don't even know anybody that went there. And I don't understand why everyone's like talks about them. Like there's some joke. I mean, they've been winning 10 games every year, my whole life, like, with, like occasional, occasional, you know, deviations, but that's a hell of a program. And they got a hell of a coach in place. Now. I don't know. I really like that, that program. The minute the Minnesota thing will be interesting. I, you know, it's tough because I was looking at their schedule actually a couple of days ago. I think at North Carolina is tough. That Nebraska game, people seem to like that Nebraska roster. It's just they were constantly falling on their face last year. Like it's theoretically possible that they open up one and two and then you're just dead. I mean, that bet is just dead. So I don't know. That's that's another tough mm-hmm. one. I, 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 I do like them, though. And I'm not saying I don't like them, but. Uh, that's one of the tougher ones. I honestly, I think the best, the best value may be the dumb, juiced up Michigan State overbet. Last I checked, they go six and six. You can get two to one on your money right now. Six and six is like not good. I, I guess I feel, I feel, I know the schedule's tough, but how about how how about the folks that got it at four and a half where it opened? Well, it still is four and a half. It's just juiced up to all hell. It's like minus one eighty. Oh, um, it is DraftKings is showing over here. Uh, they're up to five and a half, and uh, let's see here. It's plus one twenty to the over five and a half, which would be catastrophic. Wow. But I think I, I mean I that think Michigan like a, State's a six win team this year. I mean, I don't, I can't remember who I thought it was DraftKings, but there was one of the major books had it published on Twitter a, a day or two ago that it was four and a half minus one eighty for the over and it was plus 200 for over five and a half. I, I for plus plus one twenty. now that's suddenly much less appealing. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's a book that still has that out there, but I, I still like, there's no way I would take the under, especially like at the four and a half juncture. It's like this, this seems, this seems going to go four and eight. I just, this team was so bad last year. Everything went wrong last year on top of them being bad to begin with. And they still 
were an absolute joke, extra point length field goal away from being six and six. I just, I have a hard time buying that they're going to be that bad. I don't think they're going to be good, but I don't know. I, I kind of like them. I haven't examined the rest of the board all that much. It's I've really only looked at the two big boys, honestly, Minnesota, which you brought up and Michigan state. The one thing I'll say about the Rutgers thing, I, I know it's been shaky and the Shino Shiano 2.0 era, but Man, give me a really good defense and a low over under to clear. I kind of like that just on principle. Like, I feel like that guy is uh, last couple years notwithstanding, kind of like a six and six, seven and five machine. So I kind of like that Rutgers bet on its face. Yeah, we'll see. They open up with Northwestern. The biggest thing for them is going to be their offense. You know, their defense is good enough. You know, he, he switched coordinators last year on defense. It, it got overshadowed because it just, the offense is just—it's horrific to watch. It, um, it is. I, I really wasn't impressed with it's the spring truly game. It is bro. bad. It, Justin, <laughs> it's I don't bad. know. I don't know how much of uh, Noah Vedral or Evan Simon you've seen, but oh, it's it, it's it's it's, it's not impressive. Yeah, it I mean, is, the, it is well, very. Well, your, your running back was busy winning the Super Bowl last year. You know, he was gone, so I, I think that was yeah. a loss that they felt for sure. I, yeah, it's. Rutgers is one of those, they're hard on the eyes offensively. Nobody to me is as offensive as Iowa. Like maybe that's a little bit of the, the nepotism at play. Like the fact that there's no way this guy would stay in that position. Brian Ferentz, if his name wasn't Ferentz, but um, Rutgers is in one of those positions where I want to like shake these athletic directors and these head coaches and be like, are you choosing to run this antiquated, just bad offense? I don't understand it. Like I, I, just, I, I don't get like what the goal is. I, I think Rutgers and Iowa are just built for like Rutgers is kind of like Iowa light. Like you're never going to win big with that kind of a style. I don't know what they're doing. I understand the talent gap, but I, I just, I, I hate the style. I think it's so yeah. old. And I, I, just, I don't like it. Yeah. Shiano went and hired the guy from Oklahoma state. You know, you're trying to run a spread offense in this, you know, you don't have the offensive line that these other schools have, you know, you just don't have, you know, you can't match up with, you know, these defensive lines and you know, you're trying to spread the ball out and run and, you know, the athletes that you have on the outside, it just didn't. So he got fired last year, midway through the season. Now he went back to a guy that was his wide receiver coach years ago, was in the NFL. He seemed like in the spring game, they're going to try to run a simpler offense. The thing with him is, I mean, Shannon's always going to play just, just to get the, he wants to get the game to the fourth quarter and only be down a touchdown and, you know, maybe block a punt or something happened versus these bigger teams. That's always how he's played. That's always been his style. A little different. We had Ray Rice and Kenny Britt. You know, you had some athletes out there, but it's just – that's the thing with them. Their defense will leave them in the game. But, God, that offense is just – we need a miracle. <laughs> we need a miracle on offense. Or you could just pull an Iowa and just have the players bet the under for team totals, as what it sounds like what happened. Uh, <laughs> That could be a thing too. Justin, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on today. Uh, please let, let the folks know what you got coming up. I want to know what you got coming up on the Spiro Avenue show. Well, I had a really good little Pistons episode planned for tomorrow and I had to cancel it. Cause my eyes on fire. I look like Rocky Balboa at the beginning of Rocky three, you know, he's, he's like, <laughs> yeah, it's looking a little bit rough over here. Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting what we get going because I, I I'm, so fascinated with the Pistons draft. So the next show is is going to be rescheduled. So I don't have like a date to announce, but probably early next week. I'm fascinated by the lottery and where they go. So we're probably going to have a show before and after the lottery and talking about that. I know I, I'm planning a couple Tiger episodes. The ones that I know are coming soon-ish for sure in terms of names of guests. Uh, Keaton Hauser, the aforementioned Michigan State quarterback contender for that job, will be coming in pretty soon. I'm uh, really excited to get Stewart um, from the transferred TCU cornerback has who's coming in the Michigan state has agreed to come on the show. I'm fascinated Very to cool. pick his brain on the Michigan angle in the peach bowl. I'm not the peach bowl, the uh, playoff. I mean, because I mean, there, if you remember openly, these players in the post-game press conference for TCU were saying, Oh yeah, we saw the stuff Michigan was saying. We wanted to take them out. Like, you know, they, they gave us a ton of material. We, you know, kind of shoved it up their butt kind of thing in so many words. I'm fascinated to pick his brain on, on that whole angle. So I, I think I wonder with what he posted today about how he's already committed 
in the transfer portal, he's still getting phone calls. Yeah, that's that's common. I mean, unfortunately, okay. this whole this whole this whole thing, the portal and NIL, which are, I mean, two different things, but intertwined for obvious reasons. That it's a total joke. It's a complete circus. I hate to say I told you so. I told people all along this was exactly what was going to happen. And when you say that, people get mad at you saying, oh, you're telling me you don't want them to be able to sign their own name? I have always been in favor of that. But the problem is, like, where are the guardrails? How do you contain it? How do you limit it to that? It was never meant to be an enticement. In fact, not only is it not meant to be an enticement, it's against the rules for it to be an enticement. And that's really all it is. For every one like oh it's a guy going to a signing at the local mall there are a hundred offers pay to play i mean and that might be conservative like the the whole little mall shopping mall signings like that people pretended this was going to be which was always a joke to begin with that is i would argue one percent or less than the type of money flying around and the the inspiration and motivation for it being offered in the first place which is not anything to do with someone making money or, Oh, I have a legitimate interest in my car dealership and I want to go get the local college star that that is fewer than 1% of these. They are all almost either enticements to get there or enticements to stay there. Michigan state had to match three separate offers to keep Keon Coleman. This would have been the fourth time that they've done so. And they're still trying. In fact, they already have matched the dollars I was told at one of the schools. So this whole thing, is a joke. It's just, I, I had to get that in there before I say bye. Like that, I, I just. It's it's, I, it's open season. It's it's yeah. It's. <laughs> I just don't like the dishonesty. Like it, it, yeah, if we if yeah. we if we are just gonna like if we're gonna do it, let's just do it. But don't like don't pretend. I mean, just this whole notion of. Uh, that it's not going on or, oh, it's not that widespread. I mean, even you and you're, I'm not like coming at you because it's, it's the natural thing. If I just happen to have the inside information on this one case, but you know, the, oh, they targeted Peyton Thorne. Like, you know, the second he hit the portal, it's like, no, the reason he was in the portal is because they called him. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and drew him into the portal. The same thing with Keon Coleman. Keon Coleman was lured into the portal. So yeah, this whole thing is, is a joke. I, the NCAA, uh, that that's we need a three hour episode on that a different day. I, I just I, I I it is disenchanting to me, and it has nothing to do with oh I don't like these guys getting paid. I'm happy they're getting paid. I wish they would tighten up the screws. I don't think you should be able to leave. I'm fine with even the enticements out of high school, all that stuff. I don't think you should be able to leave unless uh, your coach leaves. I mean that's you know that's kind of where I'm at, and that's, that's kind of a bad rule. Yeah, no, it's not a bad because it's really. I mean, I'll always love college football and I always have, you know, but I mean, it's really just really become the have and the have nots. I mean, it really is. It's just, they're, they're, you know, there's four or five different teams on another level. You have your mid-tier teams and your bottom. I mean, it's just, it's really become that way and it's getting even worse. It's terrible. And the the only other time I would be okay with it, and I, you know, I, I haven't fully fleshed this component out. Like, I, I do think that a program should be able to, grant the release because they're having i mentioned it like mel tucker's head and all schools have had cases where like they know this kid's third on their depth chart and they know that he'll start at indiana let's say just for example like mm-hmm. if the kid wants to leave the school wants to help him out i like why should anyone be holding that up but i think that should be subjected to the coach's approval if your coach leaves i like the kid i'm sorry the kid committed to the coach he shouldn't be forced to stay at a school when he wanted to play for a certain guy but I, you got to get some guardrails up, and I don't think it'll ever happen. But this is not good for the game. It's not good. You know, you're going to start losing more and more coaches to early retirement in the NFL. That's already kind of a buzz that hasn't fully hit yet. That's what pushed Roy Williams into retirement a couple years sure, early. It certainly pushed Jay Wright to it. Yeah, well, Jay Wright actually kind of admitted it, if I recall. Roy denied that, but the the buzz in Chapel Hill, I, for those that don't know, I, that's my second alma mater. <laughs> yeah, I got an NBA uh, through UNC, it's the buzz in Chapel Hill is like he was just fed up and you know look if we're gonna do this NIL portal stuff like I'm just I'm out of here I'm too old for this crap you're gonna see more and more of that it, it's too hard of a job it was already a year round headache now I gotta I mean think about Keon Coleman you gotta get him there and then I gotta re recruit my own guy four times he's not he's every, not even a every year, year every off season it's a 
it's insane. And I get it. I get it. If the guy's not playing and it's like, okay, but now I want to play him and I got to convince him. This guy was the focal point of the, the offense coming up this year was the best player. So like if there's a playing time issue, that's different. It's like, that makes sense. But like, I gotta, I gotta beg, borrow and steal four different times to get a guy that's already on the field. This isn't Hunter Ryzen leaving because he didn't play all that much his freshman year. Like I, I just, it's so stupid. I just hate it, but I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done ranting. I appreciate no, you're you guys. Good, man. You're good. No, I yeah. love it. We gotta, we gotta get back to this over the summer and just uh, destroy the portal and nil and get after it in a show coming up. But uh, thank you to Justin Spiro Avenue show. Check it out wherever you get your media, he's there. And me and Roberto will be back next week. We got Preakness, horses running around in circles in Baltimore. Omar from the Wire is going to be there. It's going to be great. Uh, Check in next week. But until then, take care, brush your hair, and we'll see you after a while.